0: Uh, let's do Torah and T for the portion of Tetzaveh. Today, actually, is also the seventh day of Ador, which is the Yort site of Moshe Rabbeinu. It so happens that uh, my father, uh, blessed memory, Nachum Bet Tzvihirsh, shares the same yortzite with Moshe Rabbeinu uh, mm-hmm. on the seventh day of Ador. So actually, today is special for me. I mean, today, you know, I had a candle burning and I did Davant and I said Kaddish for him. And so we'll we'll have a chance a little bit in the, uh, the two uh, talks we give today. In the second one, we'll talk a little bit about seven Ador. Of course, you know, this year uh, we have two Adors. And then there's an issue. Uh, when do you... Um, when do you... Uh, Commemorate? When do you celebrate? Uh, the same thing will be like a Ba Mitzvah, a yorzeit. Uh Let's say somebody was born on a regular Ador or a, uh, somebody passed away on a regular Ador. So, which of the two Adors will you um, do site When will you do the bar Mitzvah? Which one is the main Ador? Is it the first one? Is it the second one? uh the first one is a- added so we know of course Purim is in the second ador but the uh, we'll see later on the seventh day of ador um is actually uh commemorated on the first so like I do your side for both in both months because there's various different opinion, so I mean it doesn't hurt you know you say cottage two times so it's not a big deal, but for all opinions but in the majority, mostly it's accepted that it's the first Ador. So Zayin Ador, and let's talk about, maybe we'll talk about jumping ahead of ourselves just to talk about this a little bit, because um, Zayin Ador uh, is usually the portion of tetzave. So if you have the uh, weekly portion of tetzave, usually Zayin Ador is during the week of the portion of tetzave. We have Zayin Ador. What's the connection between Zayin Ador and the portion of Tetzaveh? Interesting enough that in every portion of the Torah, from the time that Moshe Rabbeinu was born, we always find the name Moshe in every portion. The exception is the portion of Tetzaveh. Tetzaveh doesn't have the name of Moshe mentioned over there. Why is that? So it's brought down that when Moshe Rabbeinu was praying to Hashem that he should forgive the Jewish people, he said to Hashem, you know, please forgive them. And if you don't forgive them, he was talking kind of uh, very uh, strongly. He says, if you don't don't forgive them, I want you to erase me from the book (coughs) that you have written. In other words, erase me from the Torah. Basically, he gave God an ultimatum. He says, either... Forgive the Jewish people. And if you don't forgive them, then I don't want anything to do with the Torah. So erase me. So anyways. Uh, so because he, he said that. Uh, Hashem actually said, you know, I want from a, at a certain level. Welcome, Laura, from sunny Florida. Chayana, can you hear me? You see What's going me? On, yeah. oh. So um, so basically, even though Hashem ended up forgiving them, but the fact that He said, erase me, so to a certain extent that was a, something that had to take place. So it took place in this part of Tetzaveh, and where His name is erased, basically. There's no name of Moshe over there. And the reason why the portion of Teitzabe was chosen is because it's usually when the seventh day of Ador comes out in the portion of True. <laughs> and Zion Ador was the day that Moshe is passing, and since Moshe passed, then that's the uh, fitting time of the parsha not to have his name. That's it happens to be like this year when we have two Adors, Teitzabe is read on the first Ador. So it means, so that's an additional evidence that Zayin Ador is celebrated on the first Ador because that's when we read the portion of Tetzaveh. Which means when we don't have a leap year, Tetzaveh is always the Zayin Ador. When we do have a leap year, Tetzaveh is still the Zainador of other So that proves that that's connected. Okay, we'll get back to this a little bit more later on. First we'll do the, yes, go ahead. Now, I was thinking how you said that um, he passed away on this day and uh, his name is not mentioned uh, because of what he said, if you don't forgive the Jews. But we were just talking about on the yurt site, we do remember that person and we do, in a sense, say their name uh, when we say Kaddish. Okay, so you're saying, yeah, I understand. But to a certain extent, the name needs to be... uh... Okay, you're bringing out a good point also because... While the name is not mentioned, I mean, this is also part of the discussion. While the name is not mentioned, we still, I mean, if you read the words the of what does the parsha begins, it says Ve'Ata Titzave. Who's Ve'Ata? In you? Who's you? Uh, the Kohen, right? No, no, no. This is Moshe Rabenu. Hashem is saying, mm-hmm. "In you, Moshe Rabenu." So his name is not mentioned over there, oh. but yet we say you. And and the Rebbe asks, we're going, we're speaking about the second Sikha first. Uh, The Rebbe asks, well, how come, you know, Moshe Rabbein was also born on the seventh Adar? He passed on the seventh Adar, but he was also born. So how come we don't find anything to commemorate his uh, birth? I mean, the birthday of, uh, of Moshe should be celebrated as well. We only find. That we fast, and there is a, a serious day for the day of his passing. Well, why don't we find anything about uh, his uh, birth? And, um, and 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 then the question is: In the parsha, do we find something about his birth? So, at the same time, like you're saying, we remember the person, so we still remember them. While the parsha doesn't have his name, but it still talks about him. It says, and you." Mm-hmm. And the Rebbe explains that... Who were his parents? Who were Moses' parents? Moses' parents were... uh, Yocheved was his mother, and Amram was his father. Amram and Yocheved. Thank you. Yeah, but the... Uh, I have your sight for my brother on Wednesday and for my father on Thursday. Oh, really? So that's... uh, That is... um, their, their uh, Yurtzeit Wednesday is tonight, so why don't we dedicate the class for them? What's the name of the Yurtzeit of your brother? Ozias, Oh, she is Shloima. Shua Ben? Yeah. Yitzchak, my father, ben... Yitzchak. Grandfather, yeah. Shua Shloim Ben Yitzchak. No, that's your father. I see. Yes. So that's your brother. His Yurtzeit is, is tonight. That's the 8th of Ador? Eighth of Adar, and then and then the what you said what was your father was the tenth of Adar. Uh, Friday should be the tenth of Adar. Thursday, the ninth. Oh, on okay. Thursday, on the ninth. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh-huh. okay. So we'll dedicate the learning for them. Okay, so uh, did they pass away on a, a leap year or they passed away on a, a regular year? Okay, but you're still going to celebrate it either way. You're going to sell it, You're commemorate uh, on the Adar uh, Rishon, like we do for Moshe Rabenu. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or you can do both. I no, mean, to the, put up another candle I've for used, the next. Uh, 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 huh? The first time I've used his uh, Hebrew name, Oshia it was Ozias in English, but people change it to Ozzy or Owen. But his real name was Ozias Solomon. Was uh. Uh, so you say when you say Shia Shlomo, it's probably Yeshaya Shlomo. If it's Isaiah, it's probably uh, Yeshaya or yosh- or Yoshua. I don't know. We say Shia is like the Yiddish version of several different Hebrew possibilities. Whether it's Yeshaya, was Yoshia, Yoshua, different, different. Okay. In any event, let's go back to the. Uh, we'll see if we have time to get back to this a little bit later on. One of the things we were talking about in the parsha we talk a little bit in the portion of Tetzaveh we talked about we talk about the garments of the Kohuna, and you know we have the regular the ordinary kohanim they would wear four garments those garments were made out of linen the kohen gadol he would wear eight garments uh, those garments were the extra four garments that the kohen gadol wore they were like uh real pieces of art and very uh uh, designed, and the Torah goes into the very uh, specifics, you know, exactly how they were uh, made, and how they laid, and all the different uh, uh, fabric, how it was put together, and the various, various different things, very uh, very detailed, and it was very beautiful. The Kohen Gadol looked in his garments, looked like the high priest, you know, that's what it was. It was, so it was a, a really uh, big display of beauty for the Kohen Gadol. And uh, we say over here, um, we say over here um, that one of the garments that he made so he had like the various different garments. He had a, uh, a, a breastplate he had uh, with the names of the tribes on it. Uh, he had an, an apron, uh, and he had a coat, what's called the meil. He had a coat, uh, the miil. So, what I want to see in verse 33, it says, that's on the screen, it says that, you make on the bottom of the coat, you make, rimoyne, you make these pomegranates, they were shaped like pomegranates. And these shape of the pomegranates were uh, woven together, that was material, it was wool material, but it was woven together of this uh, sky blue, uh, tcheles, argamon, that's purple wool, to shoni, that's red, red strand, al shulov. These, these pomegranate shaped uh, were on the bottom of the uh, on the bottom of the mi'il, on the bottom of that coat, all around. And then there was also bells, golden bells, uh, that were also besocham, but they were in between each of these, between two uh, pomegranates, there was one bell. And so you had like this, as the passage says, you had a, a golden bell, and then you had a pomegranate. You have a golden bell and a pomegranate. It was all, all around the bottom of the coat. So what's the purpose of all these bells? So the pasuk says, so they should, Adar should wear them. So when he comes into the sanctuary to do his service, uh, and also when he leaves, and he shouldn't die. So his voice should be heard. So we want him to make noise. When you come into the sanctuary, you should make noise. should make a sound. So the question is, what is the purpose of the sound? Why did the Kohen... Godol have to wear these bells on the bottom of his coat and make the noise when he enters into the uh, sanctuary uh, to do his service so that his voice is heard. What was the purpose of it? You know, the question is, you know, you've seen sometimes people do their service with a lot of external motions. They, uh, some people when they daven, especially Hasidim, I don't know if you ever uh, noticed, especially Hasidim, they make a lot, a lot of uh, facial and motions with their hands, or with their feet. And not only Hasidim, you know, I know there were some people in the, in the shuls, I know in old shuls, you know, they had very expressive uh, ways of dominating. Originally, this wasn't so accepted, but the Hasidim, by the Baal Shem Tov, they started making a lot of visual, a lot of external kinds of uh, exciting motions. Showing. And they, uh, they once asked the Baal Shem Tov, why is it that the uh, Hasidim make all kinds of motion when they're davening? So the Baal Shem Tov said that when somebody is drowning and they're trying to... Uh, save themselves from the uh, from the drowning. So they sort of put their hands in their feet and they're flopping and, and, and clapping and trying to save themselves. Uh, basically, the Baal was, say, was saying the Hasidim feel, you know, when they're davening at the time that they're lacking and they're not on a high level, so they're pushing a lot. But generally speaking, this whole idea... If you looked at like the Rebbe Daven, for example, it was motionless. It was like, it's like a servant in front of the master. You didn't see any, just the lips were moving. Like we find by Chana, which we learn a lot of the laws of prayers, which is the laws actually, that only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard because it was supposed to be a sort of a concentrated and a... uh, uh, a non-emotional show externally. I mean, you can see, you know, the people you can fire up inside, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you show external emotion. But yet the Hasidim, a lot of the Hasidim, uh, even as they said about the Alter Rebbe, that he would, in the middle of the he would get so involved that he would roll on the floor. <laughs> and he would start in on one side of the shul and end up in the other side of the shul because he was so involved in his prayers. Uh but that's not always the um seems like you know there's a uh, a verse in uh Malachim and um there el Eliyahu the prophet um he was challenging the uh, other uh, false prophets and they and uh and Hashem uh, and he said Hashem said to him Uh, No, he said to him, the the prophet said to him, he says, go and stand in front of the, uh, by the mountain before Hashem. And um, so, so there he said, go ahead and stay by the mountains before Hashem. And when you see, that Zalman, Get his phone, he's so excited. Uh, so he says Hashem passed by and he said there was a big wind, a powerful wind that can break apart mountains, break rocks in front of Hashem. He says, No, 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 no. That's not, he says, Lo Baruch Hashem, Hashem is not with the wind. After the wind came a lot of noise, thunderings. He says, no, no, no. (laughs) Hashem is not with noise. After the great noise, it was a fire. He says, no, no, no. Hashem is not in fire. After the fire, there was a silent voice, a thin silent voice. He says, that is Hashem. In other words, this whole idea of a lot of noise does not always represent Hashem. And there is a distinction, really. When a person is sort of in a bad place, in a difficult place, in a jam, a person is caught up in negativity. It could be in various different things, you know, self-worth, lack of self-worth, addictions, whatever it is a person is caught off, or in our context, a person is given into his Yetzir Hara, he's given in to his evil inclination, and he's in deeply in the mud, and he's deeply immersed in it. So he wants to, like we said before, he wants to run away, get out, so he has to sort of very quickly and very strongly and very powerfully says, let me out of here, I just want to leave this place, the work of a Balteshuvah who's coming from the other side comes with a great deal of, of noise. It comes with a great deal of excitement, of warning, and a, a push. It's not silent. When we talk about a person who is a tzaddik, on his level over there, everything is calculated, he's calm collective there's no noise it's a the Moka when you talk about lifne Hashem before Hashem on the high level over there maybe there's a soft a soft sounding voice but when somebody is running somebody's in danger you hear in, uh, uh, being attacked by somebody you scream start help help you start screaming And you you start running because you feel you're in trouble. When you're in trouble, you run. That basically represents the level of a a Baal Teshuvah. Running away. But the Kohen Gadol, he goes into the, do his service, he represents all Jews. He represents the Tzaddiks, but he also represents the people who have made mistakes, look interesting, at the bottom of his coat. What does it represent, the bottom of this coat? Which means the people who are on the bottom level, they're on the bottom of the level. Over there, there's noise, because we're talking about people that are on the bottom level, on the bottom layer. Uh, these are people with mistakes, with problems, with challenges, The Kohen Gadol needs to represent and bring them into the holiness as well. You can't leave them outside. You have to take all Jews, bring them inside, bring them into the Kodesh. When the Kohen Gadol does his service, these bells that are in the bottom of his coat represent those Yidin, those Jews that are making noise because they still gotta leave the places where they are. Now, it seems like a tzaddik is on a higher level because it's quiet, without noise, but a uh, a person who has to struggle and fight and 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 go strong, but. When you are with excitement, and when you are with noise, and you are a little hyper about it, you know, and you are, uh, you're, 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 you're limitless at that time. You're, you're beyond If everything is cold, calculated, figured out, and everything you're full control of it, then there's only that much you're gonna do, and only that how high you're gonna get because while you're subjugated to Hashem, but it's still your entity. But when you are hyper, and when you are running away, and you are making noise, that means that you're going into a much higher place. You know, Chabad, the Rebbe, you know, had the Hasidim go out to the street, the tanks, you know, if you ever were on Fifth Avenue, uh, they come out with a bunch of tanks. Not one tank, you know, for the Rebbe's birthday, for this. They take 70 tanks, 50 tanks. Each of the tanks is blaring, blasting music. They're making lots of noise in the whole streets. So everything you do with noise. You know, you put the menorah in the street and you put everything out in the open and you make a tarara matrask, you make a big noise, and all the... So, some people are critical, and say, okay, you know, you want to work in the streets, you want to make other people aware of the Yiddishkeit, but don't do it in such a... uh, I want to say it in a wild way, don't do it in such a... uh, Don't blast the music, don't, you know... A lot of people are even afraid. They say, you know, we're in a goyesha country, we shouldn't really, uh, we should not show ourselves, we should sort of go into hiding, you know, and not uh, in the shul, okay, you do the mitzvahs, but don't do it in the street. But the Rebbe took some flack from people that objected to this idea of making all this noise and and attracting all this uh, tumult over there. So the Rebbe said two reasons why now. Maybe in the olden days we didn't need so much uh, this tumult, this this noise. However, first of all, the Rebbe says we are now in a position that we are at the end of the coat. Which means we're at the bottom. We're right before Moshiach. In other words, we need to make noise because we're at the bottom of the coat and this is, now is the time, it's different than it used to be. When the things were on a higher level and we were a little bit higher up, that's not where the bells are. But when you come down to the bottom of the coat, and spiritually it means we're at the bottom of all the levels, over there we need bells. You need, how do they call it? and All the bells and whistles, what do they say? Uh, mm-hmm. rings uh? on their fingers and bells on their toes <laughs> yeah <laughs> no no this is like you say everything all the bells and the whistles and all, like there's like an expression like that yeah yeah like all the fancy stuff a, okay so that's number one and then the Rebbe says every time frame we have to take and use the tools that they use in the positive we have to turn things around you no, know, like the famous thing that is from its forest itself comes the axe that chops down the forest. So in other words, how do we break the forest? We use the piece of wood in the axe that comes from the forest. The Rebbe says, when you look in the Goyishkeit today, you know, today there's no shame. I mean, look at the uh, BLMs and look at all the other goyishkeit over there and the different kind of organization. Look at all the crazies and all the noise and all the things that's going on. So the Rebbe says to counteract it, we have to take those extreme, the noises and the uh, uh, this hyper kind of uh, uh, way of getting things done but we gotta use it for the Ebrister. We gotta use it for kedusha. We gotta use it for Hashem. We gotta make noise and we gotta bring out the excitement. And you know, we see that that actually, how the Rebbe got the whole community involved in all these things was the excitement and the the fanfare and the uh, big to do. Today, you know, you see all The various different big things and the big noises and the big places, and the with the president, and with the on the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower and the Kremlin, and the, all the places where nobody has ever dreamed that you can, you know, do anything like that in such broad daylight. In the shine, you know, do Yiddishkeit menorahs and everything, you know, it's like totally uncomprehendable. So That's why the Rebbe says today is the time that we have to use these tools as well. You know, we can't anymore just use the regular tools. Uh, And this is um, what the Rebbe says that sometimes this excitement, and you you see it vividly when the kids, when yourself, when you're excited about what you're doing and you're playing the music. I mean, older people already say, hey, lower the music a little bit, (laughs) it's too loud. But you listen to the kids, they're listening to the music all the time in their ears and everything else. And when they play, they play it, you know. If you go on in a, in a train, they're playing the music so loud for everybody. So, Rebbe says, use their tools, but use it for the Kedusha. Uh, chop the tree with the, uh, with the axe, with the wood that comes from the forest itself. Mm -hmm. let's do it, that's the one point do the other point from a practical point of view I had heard that the bells were at the bottom to let people know the Kohen was coming out of the Kodesh Kodesh Hakodeshim because it was cold and he was barefoot and he was, you know, lying down interesting, interesting, (laughs) but first of all Uh, It was also for coming. The Pasuk we read talks about both, coming in and going out. Yeah. Uh, Some commentators on the simple level, like the Ramban, he says that um, uh, the bells were like before you enter a palace of a king, you have to send somebody saying, oh, you have to sort of ask permission to come in. So you knock on the door or you send somebody saying, oh, somebody wants to come in. So, in the absence of sending somebody the Kohen Gadol before he went in, the bell was sort of the uh, way of introducing himself before he went in. But, uh, but that means only that that served some external purpose. If you say that, that means, okay, uh, to let, to sort of honor of Hashem before going in to make a sound. Or going out to know that they need shoes or they need the socks to uh, warm their feet. Uh, so those are those practical things. But the Rebbe says he wants to explain it, that it actually was part of the service. Mm-hmm. And that represents, representing people around the bottom who still make noise when they're entering, you know, their services in a loud, loud way. And so that has a deeper connection to the actual Garment and the service of the Cohen Godel, not only uh, uh, an external reason, you know, for you know banging in the door or coming in and letting know, or like you're saying to put on their feet something, but um, uh, the verse doesn't say that. It just says his voice should be here. But it, it's actually interesting. Interesting that you mentioned that because uh, based on. What we, uh, the Rebbe's explanation mostly, and I didn't look through all the uh, notes that the Rebbe brings down there, but on the uh, superficial level, this only explains why he needed him when he went in. But the verse specifically said, his voice will be heard when he goes in, and it also says when he goes out. So, and the Rebbe explains the part of this, in this part that I gave over, the part of going in. But perhaps the Rebbe discusses that probably in the notes the notes as well. All right. Thank you. It was a spiritual angle that uh, I learned tonight. Excellent. Okay. So now, let's see if we can uh, do a little bit more of this tzichah of uh, Tetzaba and Seventh of Other. Like I said, today is the Seventh of Other as well. And then we talked about that Moshe's passing and birth is hinted in this week's Parsha. How is Moshe Rabbeinu's passing hinted? Because his name is not mentioned. How is his birth hinted? Because it says, "va'ato" and you. So he came into existence. So there's a little bit of a paradox over here that he's not mentioned and then he's not mentioned by name. Nice. But he says you. So what is a person more represented? When we say you or when we say your name? Say Moshe, or we say you, when we're talking to Moshe. A name is more superficial. You means whoever you are. That's like talking to the person himself. So in a way, in this parashat, while we don't have his name, we do have you. In a way, maybe because Moshe Rabbeinu had such self-sacrifice for the Jews. By saying, I give up everything just for the Jewish people, Maybe that brought out even a higher level than Moshe. This brought out Atto you. Well, we don't have your name, but then we get you, we get Atto, we get the real essence of Moshe Rabbeinu. But also, as Rabbi explains that, this level of, of you cannot express itself. It's like beyond expression. Sometimes there's a level which remains hidden. We can't even celebrate like a party for for Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday, because the uh, greatness of his birthday is such an extent that, you know, making a party, you No, know, like today, they say, oh, a birthday party, that's for kids, right? Uh, making a birthday party for adults, all right, you know, it's not, kids are into birthday parties, you know. Make, make remember, a birthday party, birthday presents, I guess. I'm not sure it's the birthday or it's a present. Uh, the Rebbe revived this idea of, birthdays again to really celebrate them because that was another opportunity to learn Yiddishkeit, to get people together, to encourage each other. So the Rebbe used every opportunity to do it. So he did it again. But sometimes in Moshe Rabbeinu's case, the house was filled with light. His birth was such a powerful experience that, you know what? We know that it's there, but it's hard to, we can't put it into words, we can't put it into action. So we don't celebrate whatever, but that's the ato. That's ato tizavet. That's the higher level. But it's a very interesting. We, we know that the whole month of of the whole month of ador 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 comes in the whole month is the Simcha. Why the whole month? Why the whole month of ador? So basically, one can think. Because the month of Ador, Purim was there. So, it's a whole month. But Purim is not the only festival. Uh, We don't say Mishinichas Kislev. Kislev has Hanukkah. Let's celebrate the whole Hanukkah. And maybe part of Tevis also (laughs) is a part of Hanukkah. Why? Just because, just because, we have a celebration. We have a Hanukkah. We have a, a Purim. Why should the whole month become a month of a simcha? Why should it become a joyous month? Why marv Simcha? just because of one festival? And Rabbi explains that the festival, the reason why the month of Hanukkah of of, of ador is b'shenichnas ador. It's not because of Purim. Actually, if it was because of Purim, then the only month Mishenikmas Ador should be when? Should be the second Ador. Because if it relates to Purim, as it would seem from the Rashi, that it relates to Purim, so it should be only the second month. Because that's when Purim is. But the Rebbe says it can't be just because of Purim. There has to be Another reason why this month was made into a month of joy. And the Rebbe said the reason this month was made a month of joy was because of the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was the one his birth thwarted the decree of Haman and his birth Brought about the redemption its Mitzrayim from Pesach 2. So it actually has to do with the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu. In the Megillah, we read that Haman, when he made the, the lots, so the lots fell on the month of Ador. So he was very happy. He says, oh, I can be successful. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu died on the month of Adar. And the Gemara says he didn't know that Moshe Rabbeinu was also born then. And the birth of Moshe overrides his passing. So it turns out the reason why, one of the reasons why we have uh, this joyous Ador was because Moshe Romain was born and the power of his birth. And he brought about the redemption of Pesach also. So this is what makes this joyous day. Since we're saying that we celebrate or we fast for the Zion Adar on the first Adar, and we say that Moshe Rabbeinu was born on the day that he passed. That means because Hashem fills the days of Tzaddikim from day to day. So Moshe Rabbeinu passed on the day that he was born. So therefore, it means that Moshe Rabbeinu was born on the seventh of Adar of Adarishan, because that's when we do the passing. So therefore, the reason for all the Mishenichnas Adar. Starts with the first Adar. Now, it's not only, only the first Adar. Of course, the actual celebration of Purim increases that. But therefore, according to the Rebbe, the uh, the celebration of Adar is both months. 60 days of Samcha, 60 days of joy. They have the power to override all negativity. Because we know that things become nullified in sixty. If you got sixty days of joy, then everything else gets nullified. So there is no more sadness, especially in this year, in the year like this. So I actually saw that there is a. They, they I mean, they have today everything on, uh, on on the WhatsApp. So they sent an Israeli commentator. Uh, so he was doing a show, and it's so he said, "Mishenichmas Ador." So, the other guy who was there says, What are you talking about? He said, this is not a religious guy without Yarmoukis. It's just Israeli uh, broadcasters. And the other guy says, What are you talking about? It's not. Mishnech Zador is the second Ador, not today. He says, No. He says, The Rebbe Milabavitch said <laughs> that there's two months of, of, of Simcha. He says, The Rebbe Milabavitch Amar said that there's two days, two months of Simcha that there are 60 days of Simcha, it's But it's amazing that this non-religious broadcaster, says. so the guy says, what are you talking about? He says, don't argue with me. He says, go argue with the Babich Rebbe. He says, go look up the sources over there. I'm telling you a little bit of the sources and what the Rebbe talks about. And he says that this Mishenichnas Adar begins actually from the first Adar, but certainly it continues to the second Adar. But the main thing is that we pray that this level of joy and simcha should be something we should experience in our life. And I want to say, mention about uh, my father, a blessed memory, that he uh, was a person that was simcha he was happy. He was happy with his lot. I mean, he was a person that did not have too much expectations. Things were, he didn't have too much expectations, you know, he didn't. He didn't it didn't mean so much to him which means you know sometimes you want things so badly but you can't have it or you don't allow it but sometimes you have at a level I don't need everything I don't I don't even need it it doesn't have even that desiring. the Mishnah says <laughs> who's wealthy one was happy with his lot he was always happy with what he had he didn't need more, he didn't need, and he was a person that was happy. And being happy, he wasn't jealous of anyone, he wasn't fighting with anybody, he wasn't angry with anybody, he just lived his life of a servant of Hashem. Had a tremendous amount of self-sacrifice in back in Russia for Yiddishkeit and to preserve Yiddishkeit. And, you know, it's amazing to see, as I said on Shabbos and Shul, amazing to see that what is left from all the uh, Jew haters, the those who persecuted, you know, my father and everybody else, and those who disallowed, there's no memory left from them. But yesterday, they played a video of all the Nochams from the extended family. I didn't use a count, but there was well over 25 Nochams all over from the extended families. And each one of them, in their own right, you know, was... Uh, beautiful families and beautiful... So, this should be a living testimony to the memory and to the struggle and to realize that at the end of the day, we come out ahead. Sometimes we struggle, sometimes we're not sure, sometimes we don't see. Sometimes it takes some time for it to come out. But at the end of the day, if you follow the ways of Hashem and the Torah, then you come out victorious and you uh, bring about for eternal generations of... uh, people who follow the Torah and do mitzvahs and do kindness and hopefully this will bring us Mashiach together, be together with all of our loved ones and with uh, your uh, dad and with your uh, brother with all the mishpachas together very, very soon with the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu hope we have it very soon yes, amen and I was thinking maybe the hardship your father knew in his early years made him the way he was to appreciate his lot. He was so grateful to be in America, you know, a a land without discrimination, where he didn't have to run for his life. Very, very true. But the unfortunate thing is that so many, as soon as they get into a new place, a new area, they forget and they start fighting and they start. So even, yes, even though... That people have experienced hardship to be able to continue that experience to realize that the material and the physical don't matter that much, and the main thing is to be a person of spirit, a person of uh, devotion and uh, meaning, a life of meaning. That's you know that's a special that's a special quality. Mm-hmm. Hope it will be a melech mm-hmm. for all of us, and mm-hmm. Hashem will look down favorably and grant us all what we need. Fulfill all of our heart's desires for the Goof. Everybody have a good night. Thank you for joining me. Laura, thank you for joining us. Chayana, I didn't hear you. I didn't see you. But it has your name on the board here. So I'm assuming that you're there. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Mrs. Brynen. Have a good night and have a good week. Bye, Chaya. Okay, bye, Ms. You you so bye, bye.